Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. This is Stephen Luna, the lead pastor. I just want to take a second to say thank you for listening, and I hope you find that this inspires you in your relationship with Christ. Now here's this week's sermon. Isaiah 54, I'm going to jump in because I've got some, uh, some, we got some preaching to do. All right. Bless us, Jesus. Ready? Read verse 50, or Isaiah 54, verse 1 through 5. Let's get into this. Rejoice, childless one who did not give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the forsaken one will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now, this is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. Really quick, just throwing some context at you. The prophet Isaiah was a contemporary living around the time of the Babylonian exile, right before this, this time in Israel, in Judah's history, where the Lord said, okay, Judah, you have, have not been living for me for so long, at least five generations of, of not serving the Lord. God would bring them prophet after prophet saying, guys, quit going down this path. Surely it will lead to your destruction. Destruction. Surely morality will, or immorality will infest itself in your nation and it will be worse for you. But not only that, but I'm telling you, the more and more you say you want nothing to do with me by the lifestyle of your choice, I, I am forced because of, because of the free will I've given you and because I love you, I, I'm never going to force myself on you because of your actions and your deeds and misdeeds because you want nothing to do with me. I will have to remove my hand of protection. So the Lord said, you guys are continuing to live this way, and I'm moving my hand of protection. But for 70 years, I will give you to what your hearts desire. And if you want to live like pagans, if you want to live like those who don't serve me as their God, I, I will allow you to live that way. I will give you what your heart truly desires. So the Lord said, for 70 years, I'm giving you up to Babylon, and you will experience what it is to be under the bondage of another nation, to serve the gods of another kingdom, and, and to see that it's not better, that the grass isn't greener on the other side. So the Lord gives them up for 70 years, and he says this, at the end of those 70 years, I will bring you back to myself. I mean, if that doesn't foreshadow New Testament grace, I don't know what does. That, that even though we and our transgressions were dead in our sins, Christ came to us while we were still enemies of God and brought us to himself. Right? I mean, it, this is the foreshadowing of Jesus here. The Lord said, after 70 years, I will bring you back to myself, and I will restore you as my people, my nation, Judah. And this is the, the prophecies that, that he's given them. So this idea of rejoicing is, is this, uh, rejoice you who have been childless. Uh, more will be your children than those who have been married. It, it, it's an illustration of saying you feel like you have nothing. That time that you were in Babylon, you didn't own a single thing. Nothing was yours. I'm about to bring increase, and it's time for you to start praising me. And uh, it, it's just a beautiful reminder to us that we are to praise God before we see the blessing. That, that the posture he desires us to consume and assume is, is one of praise before we see the blessing. And, and then he just doesn't go from the blessing. He begins to talk about the instruction in verse 2, and he says this. He's painting an image. He's, he's, he's speaking to a, a kingdom. We are saying in our context, it's, it's the church, and he's given the mandate to the church. He's given a mandate to, in this context, the nation of Judah. He says this, enlarge the sight of your tent. How do we do that? By enlarging the size of our heart. God, give me a heart for the things that breaks yours. Give, give me eyes to see the people in this city that, that need your love. How do we enlarge the sight? 
Well, we say, God, just give me a heart, right? Enlarge the sight of your tent. Let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. These are all uh, illustrations of enlarging the capacity that Israel and Judah was currently occupying. God is saying, listen, there's probably at this time, uh, sociologists and historians would say that Israel or Judah at the time, when when they were returning from exile, were about 40,000 Uh, People, the populace was about 40,000. And the Lord is saying, you cannot build a home for 40,000 people. I'm about to bring increase. You need to, even though you don't see the increase, you need to prepare beforehand and develop something that eventually the kingdom, uh, by Jesus' time, was over 40 million people. So so literally, he's saying, expand. Get ready. The current parameters that you have. You need to have a paradigm shift. The the current parameters that you have are not large enough to to contain what I desire to bring. And we are saying that the Lord is saying the same to us. MWC, it's time for us to get a bigger box. It's time for us to uh, think bigger and and, and believe that God wants us to be a church that reaches the multitudes, that that this is not just for the, the holy few, but that this place is set up for those who don't know Jesus, that we live for one mission, and that's so that all may know of the freedom that is found in Christ Jesus. How many of you want to see a revival happen in the city of Wichita? Wichita, right? We, we can't legislate Jesus. We can't hope to vote in the right Christian politicians. And I'm, I'm not saying anything against that. We should care and be concerned with those things. But, but we need to understand something, that, that God and his mandate wasn't go and elect officials. It was go and make disciples. So he's telling us that, that we need to extend and, and to think bigger, enlarge the size of our heart, and, and, and stretch the curtain wide, protect those that are, are the most vulnerable in society, to, to lengthen the ropes and, and, and to prepare for that increase, drive the tent stakes deep, and that's our responsibility. So, so the Lord goes from the, the, the blessing to the responsibility, and now in verse 3, this is where we're at, he says this, he gives us the promise. Why do we do all the preparation? Why is our church working painstakingly at at enlarging the site for the promise. Verse 3, for you will spread out. Everybody say spread out. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit the desolate cities. This is the word for us today. Three promises that we see in this text that were given to Judah, but also given to MWC, given to MWC in this moment. Three promises here. They're right here. First is this. Friends, MWC, we will spread out. We will spread out. The second promise that we find in this text is this. We will, or our descendants will, dispossess nations. Now, we are not signing up for military advancements. We will explain that in a second. I'm not saying, grab grab your torch and pitchforks. We're going to dispossess Andover. Like, no, (laughs) we're not doing that. Although, that would be really, no, 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 let's not, let's not. That's not. Maybe Augusta. That'd be fun. Just kidding. The third one is this. We will, or our descendants, because it's a promise to the descendants, we will inhabit, everybody say inhabit, desolate cities. We're going to hit every single one of those. The first one I want to talk about is, is the promise, the first promise that we are given in this text, and it's that we will spread out. Everybody say spread out again. You don't have to say again. It was just spread out. Anyway. We will spread out. It's kind of like when uh, the storm hit yesterday. At 4, 5, 8 in the morning, and I'm dead asleep, 
and uh, my, my children hop into our bed, and, and uh, when, when they come in, in, in the middle of the night, they don't just consume a little teeny tiny space that their less than four foot, three, or their three foot bodies consume. My children know what it means to spread out. We got a king size bed, and, and they think I'm like the shortest guy in, in the bed, and my wife spreads out, and my kids all spread out, and here I am in this little corner. My children, my family understands the meaning of spreading out. It literally means to go beyond the current boundaries. And I believe spiritually the Lord is saying to us as a church, to you as an individual and to your families that that God is going to bring increase and so much increase that he is calling us to spread out. The current size that we are consuming is not large enough for the increase God desires to bring. And historically, we saw that the Lord fulfilled this through the nation of Judah that eventually, like I just said, that they were 40,000 as they were returning from exile, and then they became a nation of of over 40 million people by the time of Jesus. It's incredible to think. And if you were a sociologist, I I know you hear this and you're just like, yeah, kingdoms, nations grow. No, they didn't at this time. I mean, this was was crazy to to understand. Not only that, but they grew during the powers of of, of world powers, Assyria and Babylon and, and, and even Rome in Greece, like, yet Israel, the nation of Israel, continued to grow amongst those powers. It's crazy to comprehend. Sociologists would say they had no infrastructure, no way to grow from 40,000. Their, 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 their cities were in disrepair, and yet God blessed them to do the impossible. I believe that God's aspiration for MWC Church is to look at what we currently have and say, these are the building blocks for what I desire to do in this city. God wants to reach over 350,000 people in this city, in this county, and the way that he does it is through us. I believe he wants us to spread out. Why? Because that's his heart. More than you want to see your friends saved, your neighbors saved, your relatives saved. Can I just say something? God desires that so much more. Your desires for the lost to know Jesus pale in comparison to his desire. And that's encouraging to me. Because when I wake up and when I see that I have a mission, when I have to reach people, when I have to share the gospel, the good news, share my, my, my faith and, and give, tell people my testimony and be a witness, I, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that God desires that so much more. So guess what? He empowers me to do so. He gives me his Holy Spirit. It's not by my power nor by my might, but by his Holy Spirit. Amen? So we will spread out to the left and to the right. And you know, the cool thing is that as they were hearing this prophecy Unlike us, I believe that the original hearers of this passage were reminded of Genesis 28, 14, the promise given to Abraham. And I want us to read this together really quick. He says this, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now, when Abraham first heard this, how many descendants did he have? Nothing. He maybe had a few sheep. That's it. A few livestock and maybe some servants, and that's it. Nobody to carry on the family name, but the Lord gave him a promise. You will spread out. Your descendants will be more numerous than the dust in the earth. You remember that time Sarah laughed at the Lord. <laughs> oh, sure. Have you seen this womb? <laughs> like, like, with this body? Like, like, I, I'm serious. Like, it was, they, they were laughing at this, but they, 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 they continued to, to, to believe that the Lord was going to be a fulfiller of his word. But this, it says that they will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. And, and here is the kicker. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Listen, God was not 
trying to take one. There's so many liberal theologians who will take this passage that we're reading in Isaiah 54 and say that this was the justification for colonialism and imperialism and and, and one nation conquering others with the sword. Listen, the, the only reason why God desires for his people to spread is so that all would be blessed through him. And can can I just say that this was fulfilled? How many of you know Jesus? Show of hands, how many of you know Jesus? Okay, how many of you were raised in Jerusalem? Anybody raised in Jerusalem? No, you weren't. Put your hand down. (laughs) You are more Mexican than me. (laughs) None of us. Yet you and I were the recipients of a blessing that started way back then. Jesus comes from the line of Abraham, and through the seed of Christ, all have been blessed. We can all have access to the Father through that. Like, I mean, this is the fulfillment of that. So it's, it's that all families would be blessed. And historically, this was even ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Remember what he said, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations. That Greek word, all nations, translates to ethnos, which is the word that we get ethnicities. So, so he's literally saying all ethnicities Every color, every tongue, every tribe. Listen, there is no room for prejudice in the kingdom of God. There is no uh, room for, for racism in the kingdom of God. The Lord would explicitly say, I have come to bless all nations, not just Westerners, not just Anglo Saxons, not not just those who, who look like the West and who look like or even those who look like Jesus. He's saying it's not a Western faith, an Eastern religion. I have come to bless the entire world. I've come for all. So he's saying you will spread out to the left and to the right, to the east side of Wichita, to the west side of Wichita, to the, to the little Mexico up north, to, to down south, like all of everybody, everybody. They got some good Mexican food up north. They really do. But we see that the Lord's desire, his aspiration is to spread. And how do we spread? Well, friends, we spread out. You and I, we spread out when we open up our mouths by spreading the love of God to others. This spreading out is not just something that happens. It comes when we choose to see our role in the body of Christ and say, I have a responsibility, and that's to share Jesus with others. Perhaps it's sharing a testimony. Perhaps that's being a witness on Facebook. I mean, mean, literally, everywhere you go, it's an opportunity for us to spread out, to share the message of Christ. So that's the first promise, that we will spread out, every one of us, need to be sharing the message. I pray this week that as you see that person who doesn't know Jesus, that this moment would be, rem- would be a reminder to you that it would just come into your memory and you're just like, maybe I need to open my mouth. And I pray that you message me and you're like, hey, pastor, that happened and I did it, okay? Come on, let's do it. The second thing is this. We, our descendants, will dispossess nations. Now, this is a very, very tricky portion of scripture because some have taken that and have translated that through throughout church history to mean that that we are to go to other foreign countries and and people groups and 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 enforce enforce and conquer them and enforce our morals on them and and listen i we don't have enough time to talk about whether the the morality of the crusades the morality of of this and that and uh, the morality of colonialism and imperialism from from europe and england like i i we i'd love to spend some time in that but i literally have like six minutes, so um, we don't have time. But, but can, can I just say this? When we look at the, the original Hebrew of that passage, what, our, or what, what it means to dispossess nations uh, translates better to mean this, to inherit the nations. 
you have to understand something, that all of us were created by God. There is not one person who sprouted out from a different uh, family tree. No, no, we all are descendants of God, and every tongue, tribe, and nation has been created for the purpose of the worship and glorification of God. So this idea of dispossessing nations doesn't mean to come in and to destroy and to enforce our our views and enforce our morality. No, it it literally means to, to inherit, to return to the rightful owner that all people belong to God and our responsibility is to open up eyes to see that truth. That you were created by a loving God, a merciful Savior, and that his aspiration is that you would come to know him. But notice that he says, your descendants. Descendants. Everybody say descendants. Your descendants will dispossess nations. Now, that was fulfilled in Scripture historically. But I believe as we read this passage, we see a God who's concerned for the next generation. I believe when I look at this church, God's greatest desire isn't that we would just grow in the here and now, but that we would set something up that would set up the next generation. All throughout scripture, we see examples where it is our responsibility as the current generation to set up the next generation. I mean, we see example after example. I just want to read a few really quick. Your descendants will, uh, or Proverbs 13, verse 22. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. It's not just talking about finances there. It's talking about the wealth of the knowledge of God. We will pass on what we've been given, and we will think generationally to our descendants. We also see in Exodus 20, verse 5 and 6. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Literally, the Lord is saying, yeah, there's repercussions of sins. Your sins will have an effect just because that is the, 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 the nag of sin. It will have an effect on multiple generations. I, I literally talked to someone just last week who is addicted to methamphetamines because guess what? Mom was addicted. And he told me, by his own admission, that my children are addicted. Because when they were still in the womb, they were st- we were taking drugs. So sin has a generational effect. I'm not saying it's a curse where God, you know, looks at your sin and says, I'm going to punish your children. That's not, that's not God. Deuteronomy 24, verse 16, look it up. But he's saying that there is a consequence of sin. But here's the beautiful thing. For one generation that loves the Lord, he will tip the scales in the favor of those for a thousand generations after. I mean, this is the mercy, the grace of our God because your grandparents or your grandparents' grandparents, because they loved Jesus, that started a ripple effect that is reverberating even to your own children, to your grandchildren, that they will know and experience the love of Jesus. That's, that's generational. God is concerned with the generations. And I felt the Lord was saying this to me. How great our church is today, how great our church is today means nothing if we don't, if you and I don't ensure it exists for the next generation. I don't want us to be a church that because we have the right leaders in place, we grew, and then the moment that 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 structure was was removed, it, it dwindled down again. I believe that the mark of a healthy church is this, that it, it continues on generationally which is why we are doing Kids Blast. 
which is why we're saying our children are not the church of the future, they're the church of today. And we do everything in our power to make sure that they know and grow in Jesus. God was concerned about the generations, and so are we. The third one is this, and we end here, that we will inhabit desolate cities. About 10 years ago now, the city of Wichita underwent a revitalization of the downtown area. I believe it started in 2011 uh, by the man, uh, name of, uh, I think his name is Jeff Fuller or something like that, F-U-H-L-E-R. Ten years ago, they, they started this. 2011, they started this. And, um, and I believe they've done a, I mean, I haven't been here since then, but I, just from the things that I've seen, it, it seems that life is returning to downtown. I mean, we would all stand to agree that there is life returning and there's new things opening, new jobs, and there's a revitalization of downtown Wichita that is happening. But I believe this. There was, there was a point when you went downtown, you saw it, and you're just like, man, this place is a shell of its former self. Maybe you were around before they started the revitalization process, and you're just like, man, this place, I remember there used to be a store there, and there was people there all the time, and now it's just dilapidated, and it's fallen down. And the same way that there are some in the city who are revitalizing that, I believe that, that this passage is saying that, that you and I, friends, are called to go and revitalize, not literal desolate parts of the city, but but to go to the people who feel like they are cast off from Jesus, who feel like their lives are falling apart, and it is our responsibility to go in with the love, the humility of Jesus, and restore, revitalize. And we're doing that. We've been talking to St. Francis Ministries about partnership, about being foster parents, about raising up people in this church who will open up their houses and their homes. On May 17th, 2019, so a little over a month ago, I read an article in the Wichita Eagle, and it, and it said this, that, that to this day, there's about 30 children on a daily basis in the city of Wichita who sleep in the office centers of these foster agencies because they have nowhere to go. Because this city, our city, has become desolate when it comes to the makeup of the family. The family is breaking down. And the amount of foster care and the foster parents there are cannot keep up with the demand, the need of broken homes. And yesterday in the service when I was talking to Saturday night, I had two people who were new to our church saying I was in a foster home and somebody loved me and I want to be a part. But our church is going to be, not hoping to be, our church will be the answer to this city's problems. So I started, started talking to St. Francis, an agency that my wife and I went through because we fought. I mean, here's the cool thing. God starts in leadership what he desires to do in the church. We started this fostering process long before this church even started, and it was just so cool to see how it's going to happen in this body, but um, we are going to host a class to help as many people become foster parents as possible. Now, I know that may not be on your radar. Maybe you have no thought in this, but um, taking a class is free. 
whether you want to use that or not, I mean, that's, that's on, on the Lord and he'll speak to you. But um, if you went online, and this is my challenge to you, if you went online, mwcchurch.com forward slash foster care, um, we are looking and, and trying to gauge interest for a class to become a foster parent. Uh, maybe you're not called to be a long-term care household, uh, but you could be what is known as respite care. A foster family needs a, needs a not a break, but they, maybe they're doing something, they can't take the foster child and, and you want to open up your home, or maybe there is an emergency where a child is in need for one or two days only, and you're like, you know, we can do that. But if you went on, on the website, and, and, and I want us to pray about that, but I believe, guys, I believe wholeheartedly that God is calling us to spread out to the right and to the left. He's calling you and I to be individuals that will not dispossess nations through the sword, but through the cross of Christ. That we will bring truth and, and, and remind people and, 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 and tell them about a Savior who loves them. That we will, they will realize that they are called to be the inheritance of, of God, that they need to know this, the truth of the gospel. And that you and I will repair and restore the desolate parts and the desolate members of our city, the most vulnerable, children, broken families. I'm believing that in five years' time, this church is going to be exploding with people. And many of them will remember this sermon series and say this was when the church decided to take a step in faith and open up their hearts and open up their homes and, and not just be pro-life on a voting ballot, but, but to open up their hearts and lives and say, we will be pro-life in every sense of the word. We will open up our homes to children who are considered undesirable or because parents could not parent because of a, an addiction. We were there. Instead of looking at them in judgment, we decided to open up our hearts and say, listen, we know you're going through stuff and we want you to receive the care that you need and focus on yourself so that you can be the parent that God has called you to be. But we will open up our heart, hearts to your children for this time so that they can raise up in a household that knows God and, and experience the encouragement that they don't get sucked into the same bondage that you were sucked in because your parents were also sucked into it. We are, are ending that curse. We are ending Ending and breaking that bondage that you have walked through and that our church, our city will know that this church is the church that restores lives, that we spread to the left and to the right, not because we are marketing or peddling, but because we are presenting the gospel truth that there is freedom and freedom only found in Jesus and that we have all drank from the same well of Christ, that he has given us life and life in abundance and that everyone in this city would know that Jesus is their healer, their savior, their everything, and that we do everything in our power to spread that message of truth. So can we stand together, stand to our feet? Man, God is on the brink of something powerful. You may have had no intention. Maybe foster care is not on your radar. But I think it'd be remiss of us to not take this moment and to just ask ourselves, this question. Maybe you have never encountered the redeeming power of our Jesus. Maybe you feel like you're a desolate member of society that you have been cast off. Maybe that maybe you feel that 
the church has kept you at an arm's length, whether it's true or not. Maybe that, that's just the perception that you're walking with. Maybe that's your personal reality. Friend, I want to tell you this morning that that, that is not the heart of our Savior, and that is certainly not the heart of our church. We believe in belonging, that regardless of what baggage you're carrying in life, regardless of what belief systems you currently adhere to, we serve a God who extends belonging to us before he talks about how we should believe and how we should behave. That is the model that our Savior employed. It's not the paradigm that most churches have operated. Most times it's like if you believe the right things and if you behave the right ways and if you, if you wear skinny jeans like the pastor, then you can belong to us. But that's not the model of Jesus. His model is, listen, I want you to know that you were created in my image and that you're my child and you belong to me now. And as you come into this place of belonging, as you are embraced, then that softens your heart to believe the truth and to behave in ways that are going to be better for you and bring glory to me. But that's the model. So can we just close our eyes in this place? And let me just pray, because I feel that there are some in this place who have struggled with that feeling of being kept at a distance. And the Lord is, is trying to say this morning that, that you are called to, to be a part that you will also spread to the left and to the right, that you will also inhabit this, the nations, and that you too will be a part of this restoration of what is desolated and decayed, that your life will be restored in me, in Jesus. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you would say, you know what, Pastor, I have struggled with that. I, I would like to this morning give my life to Jesus. I would like to return everything to him and, and realize that he and he alone is where my joy comes from. He and he alone is the only one that can bring healing and freedom. That you want the hope that we find in Christ. If that's your desire, will you just lift up your hand so I know who to pray for? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Any other, anybody else? There's a couple in the back there. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for these individuals who have made this confession of faith. God, you're so good. You bring hope and you bring joy. We pray that those who have made that confession this morning would experience the, the gladness that comes from you. Lord, can you renew them? May you restore them. May you make them a brand new creation. They are literally confessing that they can't find hope and joy apart from you, God. And we ask, Lord, that you would be like all of us have proclaimed, all of us who are in Christ, have to humble ourselves and accept what you've accomplished on the cross. We pray that you would bless them and that they would experience the joy that comes from your Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And friends, for the rest of us, let me just pray a blessing over you. Father, thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. God, thank you for the calling that you're placing on this church that we read this Isaiah 54 verse 3 passage and we apply it to our situation. We know it in its context was fulfilled, but in our church, in our city, you desire to do the same. You desire for us to spread to the left and to the right. You desire that we would inhabit the nations, that all people would come to this church knowing that there is freedom for all. 
and that we would restore the desolate parts and the desolate members of our cities, those who have been cast off and who feel like they are at an arm's length from our Savior, that this church would be embodied by people who wrap their arms around others and love them and extend belonging to them the same way you have done to us. Because the Word says that you and I were once enemies of God. And while yet we were still sinners, Christ came to us didn't wait for us to get better because we couldn't, but he came to us, so we do the same to others. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Let's worship the Lord as we celebrate this reality. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.